progress came and took its toll And in the name of flood control They made their plans and they drained the land Now the glades are going dry And the last time I walked in the swamp I sat up on a cypress stump I listened close and I heard the ghost Of Osceola cry The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay. Florida State destroyed by week for the second time this season. They're 2-0. It's rivalry week here in Tallahassee as we preview the Florida State-Florida game. Along with Florida State basketball, they earned another perfect week stomping Chattanooga 89-53 and St. Francis 80-65. The Knowles take on Chicago State today as we speak. Right now we have reporters there, Brett Rutherford and Olivia Rose. And finally, we'll discuss what the college football playoff picture is shaping up to be. You can always call into the show at 850-644-1837. Tomahawk Talk starts right now, and Gary, are you fired up? It is Rivalry Week here in Tallahassee. I am so excited. <laughs> we are we are going on the road to Gainesville, not only the team, but the reporters, you and me. Oh yeah, first time where I'm going to be seeing a game in the swamp, never been there before, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> I'll say this, as someone who had never been to a Florida State football game um, prior to when my brother decided to go to Florida State, my brother went to UF, my other brother, and I will never forget seeing Florida and South Carolina when Jadavion Clowney was with South Carolina. And just the atmosphere of walking up in that stadium, and this was a 3.30 game, walking up in that stadium and seeing a sea of blue, the, the way the bleachers are built, they aren't built out, they're built on top. It is, it is an environment that is intimidating as all be. 92,000 are going to be in there Saturday night primetime, Gary. It's going to be a tough matchup for the Knowles. It will be. It's going to be weird to see Florida State come in there. They're going to be they're not going to be the favorites. We know that. I think it's 17 uh Florida State's plus 17 at the moment. If, correct me I, if I'm wrong. I have not I have not looked at the line. I don't I think the only person that matters for looking up that line is Matt Povtak who might have a mullet <laughs> by the end of uh by the end I'm, of this weekend. That's the only thing that I'm fine with FSU losing. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be a sight to see. And over to my left, I have Alex Krutchik. Alex, you will be joining us in Gainesville as well. Will this be your first time in the swamp? It will be. I drove through Gainesville once to grab a bite to eat with uh, my friend that went to UF at the time. I got yelled at by a couple people on the sidewalk because I actually have an FSU license plate. Uh, that is my only experience in that great town of Gainesville. So I'm excited to go back down. Still have that FSU license plate, so I hope that I don't come back out to my car with uh, it on top of four cinder blocks. I'll say, yeah, well, yes, that that would be helpful. And I'll say this, uh, the the Florida-Florida State rivalry is much different than the Florida-Miami rivalry. Uh, I have friends that go to Florida. I have a friend in this room that is a, a, a Florida fan, if you will, and that is Luke Hayes, and to my right, Luke how does it feel coming into this matchup? Florida, Florida State, prime time. Can't get better than this. You've been in the swamp before. What's it going to be like? You know what? Florida, Florida State's always one of my favorite games. And growing up in Tallahassee, um, growing up a Florida fan. I'm sure you were bullied. Yeah, I don't like to, <laughs> I don't like to toss the, the word fan around here at the studio. We try to be, you know, 
reporters here, right? But um, growing up in Tallahassee, a lot, a lot of uh, berating done by my fellow Tallahassee natives that rooted for Florida State. Um, and you're right, it won't be my first time in the swamp. Um, I've spent many a great time there and in the oasis that is Gainesville, Florida. Oasis. You, that's <laughs> right. And I'm. You isn't, know it, isn't it a swamp there? I would have called it an oasis. I will say though. I'm going to call you out on air. I'm still salty that we could not get another credential for the game. Still uh, salty about I, that. I understand, but you should be salty at the uh, the Florida Media Department for only allowing one credential for, for people. They'll hear from me. I'm going to go of, all care. Uh, I'm going to from they, they just hear if you win, there will be too much cheering in the press box. Uh, Luke, true. I will allow for a guest column on the FSV if you would like to write an angry letter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and our last panelist, we got a jam-packed show five people on the show today and that is gabe gabe this is your tomahawk talk debut what are you looking forward to um just kind of getting experience on the show um i'm pretty excited about just you know getting to share my opinions on uh fsu sports i'm pretty passionate about it i've been an fsu fan since i was like six i don't know <laughs> so yeah all the way from Oklahoma, so it is a uh, long travel here. And, Gary, it's going to be a, a long travel from you from South Florida to Gainesville this weekend. Yeah, I got a lot of driving coming up for me this week. I'm going back down to South Florida tomorrow afternoon, so that's about six and a half, maybe seven hours going there, and then four hours going to Gainesville, and then a two coming back here from Gainesville. So a lot of driving. Well, guys, let's let's get into it. Florida, Florida State, and uh, what, what has been a, a lopsided rivalry as of you know the last ten years. Florida State is seven and two, but it seems like Gary, the uh, the tides are turning in favor of Florida to to continue winning and upping. They have the they have the series overall. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember. I think they're up by nine in the overall series. It is Florida leads thirty five twenty six and two. Yes. yes. So I, I was I was correct in that and and Florida State. Last year did not look very good in that bowl game at mm-hmm. home, or I should say in that final game at home, Gary. What went wrong in that game? Florida State just got throttled. That was That's plain and simple. Florida State just couldn't do anything right to get the ball going. They ha- Granted, they had a few plays with Cam Akers getting the ball downfield, but they just couldn't do enough on the offensive end, and that really was killed them. Florida State now is bowl eligible. Last year they had to win the game to become bowl eligible. This adds not as much pressure, but they know it's a rivalry game, Gary. Where where do you think the intensity level will be, knowing this is a night game and Florida State is a double-digit underdog? I think the intensity is going to be at 10, and so are the nerves. Because because of it being a night game, I think that lets the nerves kind of build up throughout the day as it goes on. And especially being an away game, everything kind of just feels a bit tighter when you get in there. Alex, uh, I, I know that uh, I watched the press conference today, and uh, Odo Hagens, he mentioned that Cam Akers is, is a full go for the Florida game. How much of an impact do you think we'll see from him? He didn't play against Alabama State. We saw Kalen Laburn. He had two touchdowns. Is Cam Akers going to be the difference for Florida State to be in this game? I'm not sure if he's going to be the difference just because of how great UF's front four is, but I will say that if there is going to be a difference on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to have to be him. I don't think James Blackman's going to do it. I don't think any of these receivers are going to do it. I think Florida se- Florida's secondary is too good. So I'm not confident that Cam Akers is going to ball out on Saturday, but if someone's going to ball out, it is going to have to be him. <laughs> is there any confidence knowing that James Blackman did play noticeably better against Alabama State moving around in the pocket and had a couple of good runs? He did, and you know I don't want to say, oh, it's just Alabama State, because you can tell just watching the film that yeah. no matter who the opponent was, he definitely looked better and he was making better decisions. But kind of what you guys were alluding to before, there's going to be eighty and 90,000 people there. It's going to be nighttime, and we know James Blackman is one of those guys that once one thing goes wrong, everything starts piling up, and everything just goes downhill from there. Luke, let's not forget that Florida State, they came in with four wins two years ago into the Swamp, won that fifth game, and then ended up winning an, another game that was rescheduled to get to bowl eligibility. James Blackman has been in the Swamp and won in the Swamp. Wouldn't you say that, that that holds any type of credence towards them winning the game? It was a whole different type of Swamp back then. Mm-hmm. Florida was also <laughs> in the midst of a four-win season as Jim McElwain was promptly booted out the door along with his uh, – along with his family, um, who allegedly received death threats, right? So the vibe was a little different around Gainesville, and I think over these last two years you've started to see that momentum turn towards Florida. And I remember when Willie Taggart and Dan Mullen both came in 
as head coaches of their respective programs. I remember a tweet by Dan Wolken of the USA Today, and he said, Willie Taggart's hiring is bad news for Florida. Basically uh, alleging that Dan Wolken yeah. couldn't, couldn't out-recruit him. And to see where these two programs have gone since then, um, it's, it's Florida State's worst nightmare because, as they know here, in Florida, uh, here at Florida State, if the used car salesman, Dopey Dan, if you will, if he starts <laughs> recruiting at an elite level, um, that's that's bad news for Florida State. I'll say this, though. You can argue that Willie Taggart did out-recruit him on the trail. He just couldn't coach. Mm-hmm. He couldn't coach, and Dan Mullen could coach his players into, into becoming fitting that system. I mean, two years ago, who was starting quarterback for Florida? It was, a, it was Felipe Franks Felipe and Felipe... Franks. Felipe did not look good. It was it was a battle. From what I remember, it was a battle of the bad quarterbacks. <laughs> James Blackman was overthrowing receivers. Uh, Felipe Two Franks really sorry team. Yeah, Felipe Franks threw a pick six. I mean, it was a brutal game. I remember leaving that game in the third quarter and looking over my friend <laughs> and saying, "We can't watch the rest of this. I I just I can't stand watching this type of football." Awful. And to see that one one program took a step forward and one took a step back. It's, it's weird to see how, how things have aligned themselves. And really, if you think about it, I know we talk about the storied history of this rivalry, but over the last 20 years since the turn of the century, no, no program has been up while the others are up as well in, in terms of the big three. Miami, Florida State, and Florida have not been good at the same time since 2000. But is that a possibility? I don't think in today's landscape that you can have all three teams competing at the same level. And we've yet to see it. I mean, I guess... We're going to wait till they prove us wrong, but I, I don't see for the foreseeable future all three of them being up at the same time. Gabe, do you think that we'll see um, more of Jordan Tra- uh, or excuse me, sorry, <laughs> Jordan Travis, um, kind of like uh, we see with Kyle Trask and Emory Jones, um, a two-quarterback system headed into this final game because Jordan Travis offers that run ability that really James Blackman has just started showing to, to a certain degree. Um, I'd hope not because I'm a firm believer in the if you have two quarterbacks, you have none kind of mindset when it comes to football. So I would hope that we just stick with Blackman and just ride him out. Wouldn't you say, though, that Jordan Jordan Travis, his, the amount of flair that he's brought to this football team has, has changed the course of the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I do believe in him a little bit, but I think Blackman is just – he's been the starter for a longer time, and I think he has more experience. So I think in this kind of game, experience is going to be key. So, yeah. Alex? So normally I do agree with what Gabe said, where if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. The only time that I go against that is when your two quarterbacks are totally different in how they play. That's why I never liked the switching off between Hornybrook and Blackman, because they're both the same type of player. But if you have James Blackman in there for five series, and then you just throw Jordan Travis in there for one series, that can open so many plays for you just for – a series or two, and it throws off UF's defense a lot. I don't think we're going to see any. I don't think we're going to see a whole series of Jordan Travis. I think it's just going to be like a couple plays here and there. I think it's might, he might get like three touches throughout the game as it goes on, but I believe it's going to be Jordan or it's going to be sorry James Blackman's game. You you can liken Jordan Travis to the Kyle Trask Emory Jones situation all you want, but the fact is they're running two different offenses here. Dan mm-hmm. Mullen and how he runs his spread offense, it's a lot, lot more quarterback friendly than what Kendall Browse is asking of his quarterbacks. And we've we've yet to see Jordan Travis really drop back, redeem. I know we talked about it last yeah, week mm-hmm. on the show, but I just don't think in that environment you can call upon Jordan Travis to run um, a certain number of plays, maybe one or two in there. But behind that offensive line, I don't see either of them mm-hmm. really staying in there for very long. And all long. the passing tape that we have on Jordan Travis is just from the spring game. Yeah. And so how much can we really say this is gospel at this point? Yeah, and, and people regress, they progress. I I was a fan of Jordan Travis after that spring game. He got I still it. am a fan. I, I still am a fan as well. I want to see if he can pass the ball. We've only seen a pot pass from him. I don't know if the so, Florida game is the right game to try and debut yeah. that. I, but, yeah, I mean, you I could mean, throw something out. You could throw a wrench in their plans by doing that. Maybe all this Jordan Travis in the past few games is a smokescreen I mean, for Florida. Florida. Florida State has already made a bowl game. They're going to be playing with yeah. house money in this game. You can experiment yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I just don't know how successful how they'll much be though, How much, though, is the crowd noise going to be a factor? Because Coach Higgins, he said that that they're going to pump in you know, the, the noise and practices and, and see what's going to happen with that. But if you haven't played in the Swamp, I mean, coming in, I can't remember the last time that in the Swamp we've had a night game with this 4-4 to to State game, and, and you alluded to the fact that... Wasn't it 2015 they had a night game? They that did. Was the tw- yeah, that was a night game, 27-2. to 
Florida State win. Yeah, but Alabama but I'm saying I'm saying with with this Gainesville game, they have not won in Gainesville since the Tim Tebow era. Oh, you're talking about Florida? The, Gator, yeah. the Gators, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And they, I think that has more to do less with um, the crowd, I guess, and more the fact that Florida's quality of team has been mm-hmm. far uh, Hit and miss. Infer- inferior to Florida State's over the last couple years. But if you look at the trend that Florida's on right now, they're undefeated at home this year. That uh, the, the game against Auburn, the homecoming game, it was you heard from recruits, you heard from yeah. coaches, and you heard from people covering the game. It is the loudest it has been since Tebow walked on those grounds. And so I think you can, you can definitely expect the same type of atmosphere for a rivalry game like this. But with the FSU's offense, do you expect that? Because Kendall Bryles' system doesn't require as much talking, yeah. more hand signals. It could benefit them in that sense where they don't have to do as much mouth-to-mouth communication. No, I, th- I think it definitely benefits them in that regard. I don't think they'll have trouble getting the plays. I just think mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, I don't know that they can execute better yeah, than you're Florida. Just, yeah, you're saying in the play, it can be tougher. The, cr- the crowd noise mm-hmm. is going to... I mean, James Blackman has had trouble with crowd noise before. You go back to the Clemson game earlier this mm-hmm. year. Those... Yep. That also had to do more with the fact that Clemson is an elite, elite team, and FSU I'll, I'll say this. We were at the Clemson game. There wasn't any crowd noise. It was... It got yeah. loud. They got, they got loud. It got loud. It got loud during... The only time it ever got loud was there was a, there was a penalty that, mm-hmm. that got the crowd into it, but on offense when they were scoring. It was never really that hostile an environment. Just Clemson was so much better. And if you, um, so much better football team. And what we know about rivalry games is throw everything out the window. <laughs> you know, it's the series is at 0-0. It doesn't matter who who was playing. I mean, FIU Miami. I mean, we, right. we can talk about that Yikes. all day. The, the new Miami rivalry. Sorry, Yikes. sorry, Coral Gables <laughs> University. Yeah, that, that was – I mean, FIU comes – comes into the old into Marlins Park. Marlins Park, the old stomping grounds of the Orange Bowl, and gets with their Butch, first with ever Butch with Butch Davis, <laughs> former coach of Miami, to get their first ever Power Five win, which was sh- just unbelievable to me. And it's against Miami. You know that in these big games, they're going to play as hard as they can. And Florida State, they the one thing that I worry about out of all the things, the offense is, is hit or miss with with each each go. But the defense is what's going to win this game. And, Alex, I'm going to ask you, Hampson Nazardine has stepped up big time. He's won uh, ACC Player of the Week for defensive backs three out of the last four weeks. Well, three out of the last five now. He is that main factor for this Florida State defense. The defensive line is at, at bare bones at best. Marvin, you know, is not going to play. So, Alex, what do Florida State's defense have to do to stay into the stay into this game? Just like with any rivalry game or any game where you're a huge underdog, especially on the road, you're going to need turnovers. And Nazaldine has gotten that. Not only that, but FSU has gotten close to getting a lot of turnovers. I know close yep. doesn't count. Um, but we were there. Was it the NC State game where they should have had like eight interceptions? They're it was gonna... either that or Syracuse. You could point to any number of games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Florida State should have a lot more turnovers than they have had this season. It was yes. Syracuse. And they're going to need to keep Akeem their hands on specifically. that. specifically. Yes, and they're going to need to keep their hands on that ball because it, it, that's, that's cute to say, like, oh, we should have had eight turnovers against Syracuse, but when it's against UF, you need to get your hands on that ball and you need to secure it. And the problem with that is the, with the progression of Kyle Trask, he's now the third most efficient passer in the SEC behind Joe Burrow, Heisman Hopeful, and Tua Tungalavoa. Um, yeah, so, so it could be tough. And, and I want to I go back to, to Florida and their offense. They can pass the ball, but what's been the big problem for them is the ground attack. Do you think that that'll be? Do you think that they will be able to run up the middle like all the other teams have been able to do against Florida, Florida State? Uh, I would. I mean, I wouldn't assume so based on what Florida has done in the running game throughout the season. Uh, Dan Mullen likes to keep his offense balanced, so you can assume that they're going to run the ball at least fifty-fifty until he figures out a way uh, to attack this defense. But I wouldn't have. I wouldn't expect them to have any more success than they've had previously in the season. Gabe, Tamari and Terry has been the number one guy for Florida State in the receiving core after Keyshawn Helton went down. Multiple other receivers on Terry Wilson is going to be out. Does Florida State need him to 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 be the best player on the field for, for the offense to, to even stay in this game? Well, I'm looking forward to watching more of Cam Akers in the running game, but definitely Scary Terry's got to you know do stuff. Like He's got to play a, also a key factor in the special teams. Especially since Ontario Wilson has been confirmed that he won't play. Yeah, yeah, that's the, I I said that Ontario Wilson not playing. So, but but you, you look at the offense and there needs to be a second wide receiver that can step up and it hasn't happened. Is, is there any way that Florida State can establish something this late? What what are the wrinkles can they put in this offense? Uh, I'm not really sure, honestly. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot a lot of struggles in the passing game. Um, Scary Terry is kind of our 
or a one-trick pony at this point. Luke, looking at Florida, Florida's defense, who who is their playmaker on on the defensive end? Oh, it's got to be Jonathan Grenard, the Louisville transfer this season. He's had an immediate impact from the Miami game again, and he's kind of become their de facto leader on that defensive line and for the whole defense. He leads the team with 12 tackles for a loss. He's in line to become an All-American in just one season at Florida. And this is a defense that has created havoc throughout the season. They're top 10 in sacks, fumbles recovered, and turnovers as a whole. Um, so Florida State's going to have some trouble with that for sure. Gary, Kyle Pitts is arguably the best tight end in the country. He has 46 catches for five touchdowns and 566 yards. He has been a problem for a matchup problem for anyone on the field. Odo Hagens, he mentioned that that was the guy that they're going to need to stop. How do you stop a guy who who is just so big and and so much better? He he is he is the epitome. It reminds you almost of an Aaron Hernandez. I know we don't mm-hmm. like to go all the way back there, but that type of of tight end. Well, for Florida State, with the way that their secondary plays and the way they defend against the pass, you don't stop him because they haven't been able to stop anyone that does relatively well in terms of catching the ball and moving it down the field. So, and granted, the linebacking core isn't the greatest right now for Florida State. The safeties haven't been playing well. The corners haven't been playing well. So, everyone's free game at this point for Florida. The, the, The one, from reviewing tape in the past, the one way that you've been able to stop Kyle Pitts throughout the season is chipping him at the line. If you stop his momentum, the, those first couple of yards there, he hasn't been nearly as effective as when he gets downfield. But who can we put on FSU and say, hey, this can this guy is going to make a dent in Kyle Pitts? I think, I think by default you have to put a linebacker on him just the mm-hmm. way that the, the defense is spread out. Yeah. Um, and the linebacker, they're going to have to do something that we haven't seen from them all season long. It's exactly. a big ask. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the big ask for, for probably the least talented area in all of Florida State's team is the linebacker core. So to match him up against... Uh, never said it'd be easy. Yeah, you know? ne- <laughs> never. I mean, but but you look back and just see all the injuries that Florida State has gone gone through. It, it helps to get Jackson back. He'll, he'll be playing. But Florida State is going to need... Uh, really, I don't think that the offense is going to do it here. We're going to have to see something from DJ Matthews on special teams, something from defense creating offense, which which really reminds me of what Florida had done when they were so terrible. Is the, the defense was scoring touchdowns for them. That's what Florida State's going to need is, is one of those pick sixes that they got in 2017 mm-hmm. off of Felipe Franks. Now, Felipe is not playing, and Kyle Trask has looked great, but really... If Florida State wants to win this game, I feel like you got to get the ball to start the game, and you got to drive down the field. Put the pressure on them. If Florida gets the ball first and scores a touchdown, to me it's over because you cannot let that crowd get into it at the very start mm-hmm. or else you're going to succumb just like Auburn did. Especially for the offensive line, it's going to be key to set the tone early. Be able to block those four guys at first because if you can get to them, if you can block them and keep them from getting to the James Blackman early, and they have to commit more guys into the box, send more guys at James Blackman, that opens up a lot more for DJ Matthews and Tamarian Terry. Gary, who who is going to be the, the playmaker for Florida State here in, in the entire game? That, that, that will change the tide. It's got to be Cam Akers. That's the only person that is really going to get the job done, and, it's, and that's obviously who Florida's preparing for, I would assume at least. And so if they can somehow work a way to get Cam Akers in space and get him the ball, they're going to do they're going to do wonders. I know that that we mentioned this um we probably mentioned this last week but looking at the seniors that are left over for Florida State there aren't very many and you, you look at the the class that Florida State signed it was 20 guys in 2015 10 have transferred or been medically DQ'd four left early for the draft and four completed their eligibility last year that's not a team that that you can look forward to and say you know we have that senior leadership that can help carry us the the, the people who remember what it was like to go and 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 beat Florida, bring back that Gatorhead. Florida State is in a, in a tough time right here, where you can you can kind of look towards the future and say, you know, Florida State had an upper hand these last nine years. Mm-hmm. But I can see that if you don't have a quarterback, if if James Blackman doesn't pan out, Jordan Travis doesn't pan out, Florida could start dominating the series like we saw when Florida State was dominating Miami, mm-hmm. and and now look how that's flipped. Yeah, and it's like a boxing boxing match at this point. Florida had a heavy right hook in the first round that was last year and with the 41 to 14 win, and now they got Florida State a little rattled. They got them a little bit shaken up and they're going to look to get on the attack right now and keep putting that pressure on and not let Florida State gain any ground back. Well, guys, I know that uh we we've talked about UF for quite a bit, but you know what? It's time to get predictions. We're going to get predictions right before we head into the break at 7:30. And I will start over there with Alex Krutchik. I know that Gary loves giving odd predictions. 
Give us your prediction for Florida, Florida State this weekend. I don't think FSU is going to get a lot done at all unless there's a defensive stop and touchdown, which I don't think you can predict easily. I don't think – I think this will be a, obviously a harder game against the defense than uh, against Miami, so I don't see us scoring more than 10 points. I think it should be a 24-10 to 10 game UF wins. Okay, low scoring, so pound the under. That is that is what we're looking at. Yes, exactly. All right, Gabe, what do you got for us? Um, so Florida State's going to struggle all game. <laughs> it's really sad to just talk about it, and I, I really i am not looking forward to watching the game, honestly, but uh, I'm going to go with UF 30 and Florida State 17. Okay. Luke? Are you gonna be a realist? <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. I'm 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 always real with you, Luke. Sixty-three, nothing. Right. No, <laughs> no. Dan Mullen will not be dropping sixty on the Florida State. It'll be a lot closer than that. It's a rivalry game. Florida State's gonna come up and play hard for their team, for their coach, um, in this game. I think the way it's looking, I I would say thirty-seven to ten, Florida. Alex, you had something to say? Yeah, it's actually funny that you say that, Luke, because most rivalry games are really close. I actually read an interesting stat. Um, earlier today, that since 2000, uh, UF and FSU have only had four games decided mm-hmm. by less than 10 points. Wow. So wow. That's right. Don't be surprised if it's a blowout on either side. Okay. Either and, side. and Gary, <laughs> let's let's get what, what you're looking at. I know you're, you're looking at past scores right now. What do you got for us? I'm going back and forth in my head about this. I know the logic says the Gators are going to win this game by at least two scores. Yep. Logic says that. But are we thinking? What's, what's your heart say? What's your heart? My say, heart, Gary? my heart is saying, Florida State loses a close one. Florida okay. State's going to lose by the score of thirty-six to thirty-three. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Gary. That's. Uh... We'll see how it happens. <laughs> I, li- it's a ch- I, li- I like to make my scores like a choose-your-own-adventure book. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Well, I, g- I agree with Gary that it is going to be a close one between Ford and Ford Might State. Might not be that big, though. <laughs> um, I-, I almost feel like making the Gators sit around at, 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 at in Gainesville, if they have to sit around in the swamp all the way until 7.30, I think they're going to get anxious. They might get too excited, start off, make some it's mistakes. It's senior night. A lot of emotions it's, fine. It- it's senior night. I think that Florida starts slow. I really do, and I think Florida State starts fast. I'm going to say Florida State loses, though, 31-14. to 14. It's kind of similar to what happened a couple years ago with the Clemson-Florida State game. Mm-hmm. Florida State comes out in the first half, plays up to the competition, but talent will win out. And in, in this situation, we, we, can all, we can argue night and day who had the better recruiting class, but who is, who is the better team? Yeah, but what about Hart? What about uh, heart? <laughs> I don't. You know, you can't. You, you can't coach heart, but um, you can coach. Odell's players. got a lot of heart. You, you can't Odell. coach players, and, and Florida State does not have players right now that that, in my opinion, can succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, now we'll we'll see what happens, but they're going to play hard in that first half, no doubt about it. Odell has been hyping them up. You can see the passion in his voice. Florida State just doesn't have the amount of you know the, the amount of players that can play up to it. It'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Who's, who's going to play? But we're talking about this year. We aren't talking about last year when Florida State mm-hmm. got stomped at home. It would it would feel great, Gary. It would feel great to go into the swamp and win, mm-hmm. but that seems like too big of an ask. No, it is. That's why I didn't say Florida State was going to win. Well, guys, we're about <laughs> halfway uh, through the show. We're going to step aside. We have a similar segment coming up with Sam, so we'll, we'll wait for a second. Uh, you're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.
And now we'll kick it over to Sam with Seminole Segment. Hey, y'all. I'm Sam Collins with the Seminole Segment. The women's soccer team showed why they're a number one seed in the NCAA tournament this weekend, advancing to the Elite Eight with a 2-1 victory over USF. The Bulls started off hot, scoring in the fifth minute of the game. However, the Seminoles had other plans. Jalen Howe scored her fifth goal of the season with just seconds before half to tie things up. Then with less than 10 minutes into the second half, Dana Castellanos was fouled in the box and scored the goal, go-ahead goal on the ensuing penalty kick. The Noles dominated offensively, outshooting USF 16-4, and USF set a season high for fouls with 29 in the game. Florida State will host one more tournament game this Friday against number two seed UCLA. And in volleyball news, FSU swept Duke in three sets on Sunday afternoon with its most dominant ACC win since 2009. Celebrated senior day, Peyton Caffrey led the team with 15 kills, while fellow senior Madison Sullivan recorded four digs and a service ace. The Seminoles only allowed 39 total points to the Blue Devils, their least amount allowed since they played Boston College on October 18, 2009. That day, the Noles only allowed 38 total points. FSU also recorded 10 service aces in the match, also their most since 2009, a game played against Notre Dame. The ladies close out their regular season this Wednesday with a road match against Miami. That's all I have today. I'm Sam Collins. Now back to the guys in the studio. Oh, thank you, Sam. And we will, we always love our time-honored tradition of similar segment here, don't, don't we, Gary? Oh, yeah. It's the greatest. <laughs> well, guys, we have a super-duper special guest on the show tonight here for Tomahawk Talk. My former classmate and current starting punter for the Florida Gators, Tommy Townsend, joins the show. Tommy was a semifinalist for the Ray Guy Award, where he won the fan vote. He has punted 38 times for an average of 44.8 yards, including 20 punts inside of the 20-yard line. He is also a semifinalist for the Peter Mortel Holder of the Year Award. The award is handed out to a specialist who is considered the best holder in the country on field goals. Tommy is also an avid golfer where he flubs chips weekly on the golf course. Please welcome into the show, Ford punter Tommy Townsend. Hey there, Luke. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, Tommy. Uh, it's, uh, it's great to have you on. It'll be an exciting week for you, I know. It's going to be your senior night, but we want to start off the show with tell us why kicker culture is, is so close in college and professional athletics, how you guys all know each other. Yeah, so um, so growing up and getting into the kicking, uh, kicking world, I guess the way to get into it is you go to these big camps called like showcases to get ranked. You know, I went to, uh, I went to a bunch of the ones, the Coles kick, uh, kicking camps. And so when you go to these, these, uh, these camps, you know, you just get to meet a bunch of kids from all over the country and uh you end up playing almost all of them in college so it's really cool to see the guys that you know you that you went to all these camps with you know when you were a little kid in high school and then growing up and playing against them in college and then uh for me hopefully next year playing against some guys at the next level tommy you grew up wearing the orange and blue traveling to watch home games your brother was a punter at florida before you now you'll walk across on senior day uh, your mom will be there your dad will be there what what are you going to miss the most uh, just, uh, just, just the atmosphere of playing in the swamp, you know, it's incredible. It's electric. Ever since the first time I ran out of the tunnel there, you know, it's just, it's just incredible. We have fantastic fans and, uh, you know, it's just an incredible experience. You, you've had a, a couple of different coaches in your career in college at, at Tennessee and Florida. FSU is going to hire a coach, their, their second coach in two years. From, from your perspective, what, what is important to, to build that culture of winning and turning around a, a program? Yeah, so um, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's a couple things, actually. I think it's, it's holding players accountable, but then also, you know, being a coach that the players want to play for and just kind of creating like a winning culture and, uh, and just having tight relationships, you know, between coaches and players. All right, we'll have uh, Luke Hayes, and he's going to ask you a question right now. Hey, Tommy, it's uh, Luke Hayes in here, our, our resident Gator fan here at the station. Um, yeah, so this year you guys have a really experienced group of, of receivers on the team, but uh, I want to know which one you think that you could beat out in a 40-yard dash. Oh, the one that I could beat out? <laughs> is it, is it uh, 40-year-old Josh Hammond? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, like I said, our, or like you said, our receiving core is fantastic, and we have so many athletes. I'm not going to say – 
who I would beat, but I will say <laughs> I think I would fit in nicely in that in that receiving core. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, so what what makes this this Florida State UF rivalry so special compared to all the other ones in sports? Yeah, it's just the uh, you know it's just the tradition of the rivalry and um, and the history of all the schools. You know, we've both been uh, we're both great teams. We've both won championships. You know, we've both had. Heisman Trophy winners and and just incredible players come through the university. So it's just a, a tradition of of great football, and you know it's 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 always a good game. It's always interesting. So, Tommy, uh, we we've talked a little bit uh, about it um, personally, but what what is your plan for for after football? Do you think that you'll get into the media and and try to be behind the booth? Maybe take take the road that Pat McAfee has taken. <laughs> yeah, um, you know it's it's hard to say. Obviously, I'd like to. Um, play football as long as I can but uh but that requires you know a lot of skill and a lot of luck so uh but I don't know yeah we'll see I mean I'd like to uh I'd like to work for a sports network you know sometime after football but yeah I mean I mean we'll see I'm not sure exactly what I want to do with it but it's definitely it's definitely one of my uh one of my big interests so hey Tommy it's it's Gary here and building off that would you like to mainly just work in football in terms of broadcasting or would you like to jump in some other sports i know luke mentioned you are also an avid chipper of ch- or avid uh fan of chunking chips around the green <laughs> like myself but would you like maybe yeah, to get failed, into golf as well to mention the uh the 330 yard drives down the middle you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but no um yeah no i love i love golf it's it's definitely my second love behind football um, I could definitely see myself not, you know, not just working in football, but definitely working in 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 the golf world for sure. But like I said, I mean, I just love to stay in sports in general. You know, I don't I don't care if it's, you know, soccer or uh, or Luke's favorite ping pong. You know, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I just I'd, I'd love to stay in sports. So whatever I could do in that would be amazing. All right, we'll get to Luke's ping pong career later. But I heard you were a safety in high school. That being said, would you choose to uh, either stick a punt on the opposing team's one yard line or lay out a return man? <laughs> oh, I would. I would absolutely love to lay out a return man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a there's a, you get a. I don't know. I feel like you get a lot of opportunities to to try and pin them deep and pin them down on like the one or two yard line. But you know, like I this year I've gotten a lot of like fair catches and uh, and very few return yards. So I haven't had you know many opportunities to uh, you know have a returner come down and. Uh, try and light him up but no that would be that, that'd be that'd be fun that'd be that'd be nice to get back out there on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball do you have a one specific hit that you love the most when you like go back and watch some tape um geez I mean, I, uh, the the kid on your fake punt oh yeah <laughs> against <laughs> Vanderbilt yeah no that was um that that was that was amazing that was a lot of fun I'd definitely say my college career yeah that was my favorite you know person on person like contact but um, but yeah, like in high school, back in like my safety days, I, ca- I can't really say there's like one like hit that like really stood out to me. Like I'd say definitely like the interceptions, like picking balls off and like taking them back. Like I only I had one pick six, but uh, we got a block in the back, so we got called back. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely think the uh, the interceptions were more memorable than the uh, than the big hits. But I mean, I, I still love the uh, I still love the contact, but. Tommy, it'll be a, a 7.30 kick in the Swamp, a, a nightcap. This will be your, your first nightcap in the Swamp against Florida State. You, you've probably had plenty of great memories in, in your career, but do you think that this this game is going to be that, that one that you tell your kids about? Yeah, um, I mean, like you said, there's been a lot of memorable games in the Swamp, but uh, but obviously since you know this is my last one and I'm on the way out, this one's definitely going to um, – hold a little bit more weight you know it's going to sit a little bit more heavy in my heart like i said i've had such an incredible experience you know playing football for florida and you know it kind of sucks it's coming to an end but uh but i'm really excited for the next chapter that i'm about to open up hopefully we uh we're, we're going to finish up this the season strong go to a good bowl game and um and go from there so but you know i can't thank the university of florida enough for giving me the opportunity to to play football there but but yeah no florida Florida, Florida State, seven thirty kickoff in the swamp. You know, can't beat it. So, Tommy, this is gonna be my first time going to a game in the swamp. What should I expect to see out of a game there, especially a night game too? Yeah, uh, especially for night games, they're just absolutely electric. You know, the fans are always in um, in there early. They're loud. They're going crazy. Especially, uh, you know, you know when the opposing team has the ball. You know, they they're going crazy first, second, third down. Just just making a bunch of crowd noise, trying to throw the uh, the opposing team's offense off. But 
Um, I definitely say the uh, the crowd is is something that you should really look forward to. Like I said, it's the swamp's one of the best atmospheres in college football, and the fans that come to the games are just incredible. All right, well, I can't wait for it this Saturday. But Luke talks about it all the time here at the radio station. He likes to brag that he was once <laughs> a great athlete in whatever sport, but he said that he once had five interceptions, five that is, in a flag football championship game. I believe that was probably middle school. It was in mm-hmm. elementary school. Ele- oh, elementary school. Okay. And then he was as well as beating Felipe Franks, quarterback of the Florida Gators, in ping pong. Can you confirm or deny any of these statements? Okay. So um, I've, I've, I've heard him talk about the uh, about beating Felipe in ping pong before. <laughs> um, he, t- he, gave me, he gave me a lot of details about it, too. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty confident in that one. I mean, I, I've never played ping, uh, ping pong against Felipe, so I mean, I can't really, you know, compare the talent levels with that. He's unbelievable, man. <laughs> but, He's um, unbelievable. But I mean, I got, like I said, I got some, got some pretty detailed explanations from him about that event. But as far as the uh, the interceptions go, you know, with the uh, with the with the playoffs in um, in elementary school, I can't remember if we. I remember we had two teams. Yep. For um for our middle school because we had we had so many kids and we were so good so i think i'm pretty sure they did like a draft with us um <laughs> but yeah no i mean that, that i mean it wouldn't shock me it yeah I, I was a defensive me. wizard you know you know why luke, tommy luke doesn't was a, luke was a he was a dog he was a ball hawk back in the day. <laughs> I mean, I you, you know why tommy it, doesn't but... remember this is because i'll for, i'll never forget on on one of the extra point tries i intercepted a ball right in front of him and he went luke that was for me Okay, that's actually so funny that you say that because I, that's one of those memories where you didn't know you had it until you heard it. And now <laughs> I, I can literally see it like it was yesterday. I, I literally remember that play. That's hilarious. So oh, thank man. you for triggering that memory. But, yeah, no, okay, that, that, makes, that makes more sense. And I, I'll, I'll put money on it that that happened, and I, I trust you. Well, Tommy, uh, I appreciate you joining the show, and uh, my my parting my parting gift for you is uh, I I hope you get a lot of playing time Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Luke. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for uh, for having me on. Uh, you know, Luke, we got to get back out on the golf course soon. So oh, oh of course, Tommy, love I, love to do it. Tommy, I'd love to chunk some chips with you anytime. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be amazing. You know, I've been working on my short game a lot, so uh, so we'll see if I can get away from that. You know. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> All right, Tommy, have a good one. I'll, I'll see you Saturday. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Zip. That was Tommy Townsend, Florida Gators punter, and my close friend. Uh, great to have him on the show. Always always one of the, the fan favorites over there, Luca, at Florida. Absolutely. He's become a, a cult figure of sorts. He he and the rest of the special teams guys, they're they're lovable losers. <laughs> well, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that, Gary? Do you, do you think that Florida State has a, has a chance after listening to, to what it's going to be like? Maybe I don't know. It's I'm. I he said a lot of things that I expected. He expect I expected him to talk about how the fans are going to be so great. It's going to be such a big game, and I expect that. I expect it to be really loud in that stadium on, come Saturday night. The, but the, we'll see. Yeah, the one thing that that I will point out is the the special teams for Florida is far superior than Florida State. Yeah. You look at McPherson. <laughs> you look at the punter. Florida State's on a walk on punter right now. They 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 are, they're they're switching out between Growth House and Ricky Aguayo at kicker. That that is one of those things where we talk about wide right and wide left with with Miami. It could come down to a field goal, and I don't think you want Ricky Aguayo kicking that field goal. As long as it's raining, as long as or sorry, as long as it's not raining, I'm I, I'm pretty confident that he can. He's made his last two. Yeah, Ricky's hey. a lot better on the road for some reason. Whoa! <laughs> what about the Wake Forest game? Well, I'm, there was a lot uh, of rain. One a lot of, lot of rain in that one. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Still, it was fifty uh, some yards in the wind and rain, and we, we got can debate iced. whether he should have been and he taking iced. that anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's no. that's that's true as well. That might have been the nail in the hammer for for uh, our, our boy. Yeah, yeah, for Willie Taggart. So, well, uh, it was good talking about four to four to state. We will be in there, Alex Krechik. Gary Putnick, Luke Fay, we will be at the Florida Florida State game. Should be a great atmosphere. I'm excited for it. The, o- the only thing that I wish it was, I wish it wasn't a 7:30 kick. That's so late, but we're gonna have to power through it. I'm ex- I'm okay, still excited though. I'm pumped up for it. I'm I just <laughs> I I grant I believe Miami is still the bigger bigger rivalry just because I'm coming from South Florida perspective. But 
it's still going to be a great game. Gary, I don't know how long or what time you're leaving. I have a long drive, too. We live around the same place. Mm-hmm. I'm waking up at 7 in the morning because that's Thanksgiving Saturday. I was playing at 6 a.m. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. You guys should be there on Friday. But yeah. That's uh, just me. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's move on. We're going to move on to Florida State men's basketball. And they had a good week, Gary. They, they beat Chattanooga 89-53 to and then St. Francis 80-65. to I know that the scores were, were somewhat of a blowout. Florida State probably could have beat them even harder. It's it's just one of those games where you get the get the minutes, and Florida State has not had the deepest of benches, but this is when you find something to happen. And, and we saw that with Wyatt Wilkes, Gary. Wyatt Wilkes had a career-high 14 points in um, in his second start against St. Francis. Is that is that something that, that you got to be excited about, knowing that they can get someone off the bench that, that will provide production other than if you look at you know, Patrick Williams. Yeah, and I was excited because earlier that week against Chattanooga, he got his first ever career start. So that was pretty cool. It was a good week for him all around for Wyatt. But And the rest of the bench really showed what they could do, especially the big men. And uh, Balshuk, I'm going to get it wrong. We talk about this every time. Kopravica. Kopravica. Yeah, Balsa had a really good game against Chattanooga. He, I believe he put up 10 points. And same with Dominic Olinjek. He put up 10 points as well, which was amazing because he only played 12 minutes in the game. Or no, sorry, 8 minutes. So, bench really showed up. They really kind of built on some of the things that we said they really had to build on last week. Luke, did you see any holes in, in this basketball team, or, or what, what was the positive that, that came out of this? Well, one positive, I, I look at Malik Osborne stretching the field a little bit. He was 3 of 5 from three-point range against uh, St. Francis over the weekend. Um, so, that, that was a positive for me. If he can continue to be the versatile player that Florida State needs him to be, um, either working down low or on the perimeter, I think that's a positive for them. And the one, one negative that I'd take away, there weren't many because it's hard to really draw anything from these games against Chattanooga mm-hmm. and St. Francis. Um, but the turnovers, the turnovers against St. Francis, 15 of them, they got sloppy down once they were up by a lot. Um, you're not going to win many games turning the ball over that many times against a team like Tennessee who they have coming up. So that's that's one negative i take away. Gabe, looking at Osborne, he, he he started the season as more of a guard for Florida State, and then right when the, the first tip comes, they move him to center. Do you think that Florida State will win games having him at center, or are they going to have to get more from Kepervica and Alicia? He's Zach. not Italian. Why do you keep saying this? <laughs> I can't, that's ser- the only way I can ser- do it. Is he not, he's, he's Serbian. Serbian. Yeah, he's Serbian. He, no, not Italian. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> no, I definitely think that we're going to need a collective effort from the team uh, to go deep in the, in the, in the tournament. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Osborne, he's been playing good. Um, I'm really looking forward to see more from him. Also, quick update coming from the Tuck. Brett Rutherford just texted me, 52-19 to 19 Florida State, about three minutes left in the half. Brett says, unfair game, should call it at halftime. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I, we saw that the Kimpom rankings had them 133 out of 133 teams in, in the FBS. So. Yeah, well, F, there's no FBS because it's college okay. basketball. But, yeah, so. they're, they're the worst team in, in college basketball. Yeah, and they're playing like it right now, I'd say. <laughs> Chicago State, that is, and Florida State is playing right now. We have two reporters there. Oh, you! Uh, it's not 133. It's 353 out of 353. Oh, even Pong. worse. So, even worse. We, Alex, we were right earlier talking before the show. There are more than three 133 teams in the college that's, basketball D1 level. That's tough. Uh, Alex, let's talk about Devin Vassell. He, he has been the, the star for Florida State. Uh, 17 points against Chattanooga. Then you look at St. Francis and um, – his production has been what Florida State needs. San Francisco, they, he didn't play very much. He had 17 minutes, only four points. Is Florida State going to need him to play like the ACC Player of the Year to to have this team go far and and be in that top five in the ACC in a deep ACC? I think they are. I think that this is a team that doesn't have a lot of. Uh, it's not like how it was last year, where you had a lot of great uh, upperclassmen that were going to lead the way. This is one of those teams where. You're going to have to have players find their identities, including Devin Vassell, where the first half of the year is going to be kind of rocky. That's why I wasn't really surprised that they yep. lost to Pitt. That's why I, wasn't, I, would have been, I wouldn't have been surprised that they lost to UF. I think that Devin Vassell, along with a few other guys, are going to have to find their way as the season goes on. And Leonard Hamilton admits that. He's been pretty adamant in these press conferences. He's not shying away from the fact that this is a team that isn't as good as they're going to be. Gabe, is it okay to say that this is a rebuilding year for Florida State, or do fans deserve more more than that characterization? No, I think I think this is just another year, and we gotta, you know, find the new players that are gonna, you know, lead Florida State to victory for the next couple of years. And 
I mean, we went to the, the lead eight last year, didn't we? Sweet, uh, Sweet 16. 16. Yeah, so, I mean, we're not a basketball school, but, like, you know, we, we, we're... At this point, you can argue that Florida State is a basketball <laughs> school. And, and looking forward, and I, I, I talked about it earlier, but Luke, looking to to the next year's recruiting class and how, how Florida State has Scotty Barnes and, and, and seeing who can come back over, next year is next year has to be the year where, where Florida State has to expect one of those Final Four-type runs where, let's be honest, when Leonard Hamilton got this job – that was never in the sights. That that was not really realistic. No, I think the script is totally flipped for the the basketball program as a whole under Leonard Hamilton. I mean, you go back and you look before Bobby Bowden took over the football program. Was yeah. Florida State a football school? No, but no, it was known as a women's but through, school. Yeah, through hard well, yeah, but through hard work and dedication, he changed the entire trajectory for that football program for this university as a whole. And I think Leonard Hamilton is doing the same thing with the way he's recruiting now. I think the standard for Florida State basketball has shifted a little bit. Which is why I think fans this year, if Florida State doesn't make it deep into the tournament again, I think they'll be disappointed. I don't know why they would be dis- or I don't, I'm I wouldn't be disappointed if they don't make it that deep yeah, because they but lost so much. You can so understand much. why they would be right to, I, to an average fan. I'd be a little disappointed in them for not paying t- as much attention if they believe that this team deserves to make a Sweet 16 or an Elite Eight. That's just me saying that the fans aren't paying enough attention at that point. I, I go back to the fact that any fan that bases their their outlook on a season, whether they're happy or not with how the season turned out on the tournament run, isn't going to be satisfied usually because the NCAA tournament yeah. is a whole different animal. Exactly. I think if Florida State can stay competitive in that top four, top five range within the ACC mm-hmm. on a yearly basis, I think that's more of what fans should look forward to. Exactly, and only one team leaves the NCAA tournament with a win, so that's with, with all yeah with the exactly. championship win. So. Well, yeah, you have to win to end the. Guys, let's let's look at the the rest of the schedule coming up, and and it's a tough one. I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. Florida State will play number seventeen Tennessee um, uh, Friday at, at seven p.m., and then they have to go on the road over to Indiana and play on Tuesday, December third, against uh, a, a tough Indiana team in, in that crowd. That that is, this stretch coming up, along with Clemson, that that'll be their next game. These next three games will really prove what this team has. We've mm-hmm. noticed that they haven't had depth, but. What can they do to to change your opinion coming into these next three games? Do they have to go two and one? If they go one and two, is that is that a failure? Does that hurt their case? What does Florida State need in this this next two weeks of basketball? They need to come out of these three games with a winning record, of course. I think if they can, if they lose either Tennessee or Indiana, I can live with that. But I think the one game that they really must win is Clemson. You got to get an ACC win. You got to start getting accumulating Can't wins. Can't start zero two. Yeah. Yeah. Look. Oh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I just need them not to not look outclassed completely by these teams coming mm-hmm. up. You can lose a close basketball game or two, and let's not forget, they would play the winner of another game after Tennessee. I think it would be VCU, VCU and, and someone else. And Purdue. V- yeah, and Purdue. 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 Both and we really, know what really happened good. last year with Purdue. Yes. Purdue, Purdue is an excellent basketball program, yeah. and VCU just beat LSU. They're ranked for the first time in a couple of years since mm-hmm. Shaka Smart. They're always a competitive team, so I think it's a tough stretch coming up for Florida State. But like Gary said, I think the one game that you have to count on for a win is that game against Clemson. You can't start 0-2 in the ACC before you've even hit the meteor schedule. Alex, who who is going to have to step up for Florida State to win if they want to go 3-0 and in these next three games, which seems somewhat unattainable if, if you give that big ask? Well, I think for now it's going to have to be Trent Forrest. I mean, he's your senior. He's the guy that was here last year that has been through – this entire three-year run where you're going to the Elite Eight, the Sweet 16. And I think that until they find their identity, like what I said before, I think you're going to have to go back to the familiar face. And well, building off his Trent Forrest thing right there, Leonard Hamilton set out the Chattanooga game because Trent Forrest didn't really have the best game in just the points column. Trent Forrest can produce in other facets. If he can get assists, move the ball around. He's a defensive player. He's exactly, a defensive yeah. player. And if you can do that, they're going to be fine, but he just has to show up kind of in in a big ass in a big facet of the game when think, it comes to those. I think the best way Trent Forrest can help the team in the scoring department at least is getting to the line. He went seven for seven from the free throw line against uh, against uh, the opponent on uh, Saturday, S- right? St. Francis. Yeah, St. Francis. He went seven for seven at the line. I think that's his best way of getting um, getting points contributing to the team. But I think the key player during this stretch is going to be Devin Vassell. I think he's the game changer on this team that can elevate a program. 
that can elevate a team if he were to step up his game a little bit. Because I think he has the most NBA potential out of all the players on Florida State. Guys, let's uh let's switch gears here and in Florida State soccer, they had a big game at home, Gary, and ended up advancing to the Elite Eight. They're trying to defend their title. They will come up against UCLA, which took them down earlier in the season. And it, it's going to be Friday at two PM, a big game before we see football take on Florida, Gary. Yeah, and I was surpri- I was happy with the way Florida State played in their game against the Bulls on uh, Sunday afternoon because they were able to come back from being down 1-0 so early on. Granted, it was a, uh, the, the Bulls scored in the fourth minute or so, but FSU was able to come back and work their way back. They controlled possession throughout the whole game, really. It was, I believe it was like 60-some uh, percent on the percentage for possession for FSU, so they really controlled the ball, and USF was just able to score on that quick Alex, Alex, how much of a factor is it that UCLA will be coming to Florida State versus earlier in the year, Florida State went all the way over to UCLA. Do you think that that will be the difference in the game, the home field? Of course. I think that not only the home field, but also just the travel. I think the jet lag is going to hit them because we all know West going from west to east is a lot worse than east to west. I think also FSU is going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder knowing that they lost over there to UCLA and USC. And so they're going to be coming out fighting. Obviously, it's a, it's a postseason game, so of course they're already going to be at 100%. But I think there's going to be a little bit of an extra edge just knowing that they lost this team just a couple months ago. Three minutes left here, and we're going to talk quickly about the state of college football. It is It, it was a wild week. Oregon ends up losing, and, and that almost takes out the shot for the Pac-12 to get. I know that that Utah. that. I know that. Utah. Well, still though, still Utah though, Utah has obliterated every single. Team I know, on their but schedule. their quarterback is not good. Yes, he. What? Tyler Huntley is not good. Yes, he, he can't is. throw the football. He's one of the most experienced starting quarterbacks in the entire. I know. In the entire dude, I, college hey, football. I saw him in high school. I saw him in high school. Oh I mean, my god! Hey, I know. I know what you're talking about. But listen to me. Listen to me when I say this. He can't throw the football. Is he better than Mac Jones? No. Dude, would would you would you put Alabama in ahead of Utah right now? Well, that that's if Utah's that, a conference champion, I wouldn't put Alabama ahead of them. If they, I, if they, if they win, sorry, if they win out, I don't think they, can, they will though. I don't think they will. Utah would have put up a better resume than Alabama though. Like who who are you saying gets in instead of Utah? Alabama's one and one against. No, top I don't 20. think. Here's the thing. I don't think that Utah is going to is is going to win out. You think Oregon will beat them? Yeah. Okay. That's that's an entirely different. Yeah, conversation. That's, that's that's what I'm but saying. But if we're having the conversation about whether or not they deserve to be in if they run the table and beat Oregon. I think you'd be crazy to think that another team deserves it more than Utah because they're both one-loss teams at this point. It's not like so, one. So do you think that that Oklahoma Oklahoma's uh, loss wasn't as bad? I think the way Oklahoma's played the last couple of weeks, it's been sloppy. It hasn't been convincing like Utah has done or Alabama, save for the LSU game. I think Oklahoma by, I mean, the grand that twenty the, that twenty-eight to three comeback did put a little bit of faith in, or it didn't still a little bit of faith in them again for me because it showed that they still really? had some fight. I mean, it showed that I mean, granted, it showed that they could get but down the early, fact but that they, they were had down fight. that much and then they struggled to get. I mean, they went to they almost went to over or they almost lost the game against mm-hmm. Iowa State and then against yep. TCU struggle but on top of the loss to Baylor. Kansas State. You, you can argue <sighs> with that, and I'll say this: LSU is number one, Ohio State number two, Clemson number three, and Georgia number four. Um, I don't think Georgia is going to win against LSU in the SEC championship. Uh, so that slot, that number four slot, is going to be open. That just, and, o- I think it opens and, the door for Utah. Yeah, in, in my opinion. And so I, I want to ask you this, Gabe. Do you think that Alabama? What, what, what are the chances that Alabama is going to lose to Auburn this weekend? Uh, well, it's a rivalry game, so anything can really happen. But honestly. Roll Tide. I mean, like I'm a. Oh, really? I'm a, I'm a firm believer in Nick Saban, and I think on the road. Yeah, Auburn's wow. going to need another miracle. Really? If they want to win that game, they're going to need them. I grant Mac Jones is a starter for Alabama, so that does give a little bit of hope to Auburn possibly. But Bo Nix just. <laughs> I, I was about to say I take Mac Jones over the way no, Bo Nix is playing exactly. Right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but that home factor—that's the one thing I don't know. They had the home factor against Georgia. They could barely—I mean, they could barely walk it up the field. But, but, yeah, they were held scoreless. And Alabama's Mac, a better Mac team Jones, than Jake Fromm, Mac Jones, Bo Nix. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. I, I mean, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But th- this rivalry week is going to be big in college football. You look at Ohio State as well. Ohio Can, State will be playing Michigan. Can Jim Harbaugh get over the hump? No, I'll believe no. it when I see it. I don't He's... think that he will win this game. And a lot of people say a lot of people say that he deserves to be fired after this. Absolutely who can they not. get? Who can they get? That's better. Exactly. Michigan's just not a, not a good enough team this year. And could they get and down Stoops? the road? 
Oh my gosh! <laughs> and, and, and down the road, what is can, is there any way that Michigan will win this game, Gabe? Uh, I doubt it, but I mean, still, like Jim Harbaugh, you, you can't really fire him. Like it's not like, of course, people are going to point out to the record, and just, he hasn't beaten Ohio State in any big games. But like, his overall record's been decent, but it's just the rival the rivalry records, which has just been poor. You just have to ask yourself, what do you want to be if you're Michigan? Because right now, I mean, Florida State would trade place with Michigan in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, but. Does Michigan want to just be a team that's in the conversation every year, or do they want to win championships every year? Bo Schembechler and Lloyd Carr both had losing records against Ohio State. They're just not as good of a football program yeah, but we over saw the course of history what as did, Ohio State. What did, Willie, what did Willie Taggart do against rivals? Are you are you comparing Jim Harbaugh to Willie Taggart? Right no, now? but I'm saying, I'm saying that if you can't win, if you can't win against rivals, you're going to get fired. So. But, but Willie granted, Taggart couldn't win regardless. It's not a, not even about rivals. But the problem with Ohio or with the Michigan Ohio State rivalry right now, Michigan has to beat Ohio State in order to make it to the conference championship game, which they just aren't doing, and that's where the Bo yep. Buckler record doesn't really factor in that much. Well, we we can talk about it all day, and and uh, I'm sure that we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff on Talking Chop uh, coming up, Gary. But oh, yeah. that is all we've got for today. For Alex, for Gabe, for Luke, for me, for Gary Putnick, on to uh, Scott Clemens over there on Twitter. A lot of people in here along with Sam and uh, Austin Riddles. This is Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is up next. <laughs>